Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Who I am, anyways. So, anyways, you just, there we go. We're jumping right in. Studying the book of Proverbs, right? And having a lot of fun at it. I, at least I am. I hope you have enjoyed this as well. There's so much that God has recorded in his word and uh, in the book of Proverbs. Um, years ago, um, in the discipleship thing, um, I was talking to an individual and came up with a little, if you want a pithy saying, and that is a proverb a day keeps the devil away. There you go. Yeah. And so, yeah, a proverb a day keeps the devil away. It's not necessarily the case, though. I mean, the devil is always there fighting you. But it's sure good that when you have the foundation of God's word to walk in wisdom. And so, um, God of grace, God of glory. I don't know if you noted, there's one line that was repeated in every one of those stanzas. Anybody remember what it was? Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the facing of these days, for the facing of this hour, for the whatever. But grant us wisdom, grant us courage. In these days, I mean, it's like we, it's what we need. And God's got it all right here for us. Written thousands of years ago. Isn't that amazing to think about? I mean, sometimes you read some of these Proverbs and you think somebody just wrote it yesterday. Or someone knows what you're doing in your life and they're like, they're writing something to you. And it's written thousands of years ago by Solomon. And the most amazing thing to me, there's, that goes, <laughs> Steve Martin. Anyways, I'm sorry. Anyways, every time I say that, it's like, anyways. So, but the, it is the most amazing thing to me um, is Solomon, when God came to him and asked him specifically to pray for something, right? You ask, what do you want? And it will be what? It'll be given to you. What did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Wisdom. And what did God say? Nope, sorry, can't give you that. He didn't say that, did he? What did he tell him? Really? That's what you know. He didn't say that. He says, I'll give it to you. You know, man, boom, that's it. But you know what the sad thing is? Because we read all this, a lot of this wisdom, right? One of the next books after Proverbs is the book of Ecclesiastes. What's Ecclesiastes all about? Say, Brian. Everything he had done, everything he had done was vanity. Why? He sought to know folly, which means what? He didn't use the wisdom. God granted him all this wisdom, and he didn't live according to it. He taught it to Rechabom, his son, but Rechabom, his son, said, I see, I hear what you're saying, and I see what you've done, and he chose to follow his folly rather than the truth. So, again, I just want to re- remind ourselves of that as we're reading this. You know, we can be very, very pharisaical when we read this kind of stuff, and, oh, it's really good, and we can quote it. And, but you know what? God didn't give it to us for us to read it and to quote it and all that kind of stuff. He gave it to us to live it. Yeah, do it, but live it. Live it. And when, if we live this, then we'll have wisdom. We'll have courage to, to do what is right, even in a world that is calling what is good evil, and what is evil they'll call good. And in my quiet time this morning from the book of Luke, I was going, Luke's part of the Beatitudes and Jesus' comments to them. And he talks about in that day, when, when they are going to call those who are standing for the name of Christ evil, poniros, that we're going to be evil, we're going to be wicked, and we're seeing it. That if, if you do anything for the name of Jesus, you're considered hateful. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's an awful thing. And so, so we need wisdom. We need courage. It comes from God's word. So we've, we've considered then this wisdom that God has given to us in the book of Proverbs, um, considering all these um, topics as well. And then, Mark, we're, we're stuck. Okay, and then going into the pearls of wisdom. And so we'll, we'll get that glitch out and then go on from there. There we go. Okay, and so last week we began looking at the, the next pearl, and that is on our finances. And last week spe- specifically, I didn't take care of that advance there. So sorry about that, but we'll come to that in a moment, okay? Well, well it's actually kind of good because last week we looked at the attitude on finances. And in, when we looked at the attitude on finances... We um, consider the position, priority, and then pursuit of that. And what do you note on um, the summary statement for each one of those? When, when, get, 
Yahweh, 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 Yahweh. It's all about Yahweh. In, in the position that I have, in this attitude that I have regarding finances, I need to remember, first and foremost, Yahweh. Yahweh owns it all. He's, he's the maker of it all. He owns it all. Everything I have belongs to him. That's going to lead then to setting my priorities properly. And that is that my priority has got to be on seeking him in his righteousness. And then that leads to my pursuit then to, to, to seek him in his righteousness as well. And so if you remember in the, when we talk about the priority, better is, better is, better is, better is. And we talk about better is Yahweh than riches. Okay? So that leads us then into, if we have the proper attitude, now how are we going to acquire them? What, how, what's our acquisition finances going to look like? And it kind of sounds like, a, like you're walking into the middle of this you know, financial planning seminar, you know? and you are, in a sense. This is God's financial planning seminar. Think about it, right? You can, you can go to all these different seminars, you can pay money to get it, but God's got all this stuff in his word for us to discover. And if we would just listen to and apply what he has written, um, you'd be amazed at how it would guide and direct your financial state. Okay? So what's the first thing um, that we want to look at with acquiring finances? That first of all, they need to be dealt with with honesty. We need to be dealing honestly in everything we do. Now I'm going to break this out into two, um, uh, two other areas. And that is in the negative side, because it doesn't necessarily talk about it from the positive side, except for once. There are a lot of negative side of this, but he's talking about dishonesty. And so we're going to look at this as from the positive side, that we want to be using honesty. And so not through deception. So you see, again, I'm going to have the verses up here. You can look at them. But Proverbs 16, verse 11, where we're told, honest, and I thought I got rid of all my, my words in this one, but I left them in there, okay? Honest weights and scales are Yahweh's. All the weights in the bag are his. And then Proverbs 11.1, 1, we'll come back and talk about all those words. Dishonest scales are an abomination to Yahweh, but a just weight is his delight. So what's kind of fun here is the word honest in the first verse, uh, Proverbs 16, is the word mishpat. Okay? And so for me, when I see words like this that are, are, that are wor- combined words, okay, literally I would, say, I would turn around and I would say, I understand the Hebrew words mishpat, mishpat. Um, but I would say mishpat. Shafat, because that's really what it is. It's the word shafat, which means to judge. And then the M up in the front is a prefix. It's just a prepositional. They would use one letter as a prefix before it. And the, and the M, maim, the maim, so like when we go through Psalm 119, this is the maim, it literally means with. Okay? So literally that means doing something with judgment or with a judge. Something that then is done properly or justly, okay? So think, think of a, um, a, a courtroom, think of a court of law going on there, okay? And so think about, you got a fraud case happening. Does it make sense? And, and so the judge is going to put this down. And so you want then uh, weights, balances is the, actually the word. And we're going to see this, that there's two words here, peles and mosen, okay? Which is balances and scales. And so the idea, so don't, I wish they wouldn't have put the word weight there because we're going to come to the word weight right here and it's the actual word eben or stones, okay? And so because that's a stone is literally what they would use as their weight, okay? So you've got this balance, this scale, make sense? And so they would determine the price of something based upon that scale, okay? And so you read a lot about using just weights or upright waste, uh, weights, or if you would, with judgment, weights. What is the idea of that? Well, we're going to see it in a, a moment with another verse, that uh, salespeople uh, would have multiple weights. Yeah. And so they would, you know, so for example, um, the um, coinage is, is kind of hard to counterfeit. But some people would still counterfeit them years ago, okay? And what would they place inside the coin? Lead. Why? But keep going. Well, it was cheaper. It was cheaper, okay? And so they would make them, and they would reproduce them, right? It was cheaper, and so therefore they would be making money off that. Okay, paper, you have counterfeits as well, right? Well, back then, they didn't necessarily have the paper, and they didn't have the coinage. 
they would do things based upon the stonage, if you would, okay? And so, um, so I've got this stone. In this stone, we're going to use our, our terminology, okay? This stone weighs five pounds. But really, the stone weighs what? 5.2 pounds or 4.8 pounds. It's pretty close, yeah? But that sure changes the pricing. Have you ever thought about when you, when you pump gas? Yeah, well, not the point nine nine nine. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the tax thing, right? Okay, but do you realize that th- there have been a lot of gas comp- gas stations that were ripping people off? That all they have to do is change how much they give you by just a little point zero one of of gas, and they have thousands of people pumping in ga- thousands of gallons, and they make extra money. That's why when you look at a a, um, a gas pump, what's on that pump? An inspection sticker. Because they come in and they inspect. Now, even in that, they have a little bit of a range. Okay? And do you realize that banks, how much money banks make by, by taking off the, the, um, the thousands of a coin? Because you don't round up that far, right? And so what happens to all the thousands of the, of the, of the pennies? Okay? And so, so there had to be then regulations coming in on, on that as well. There's one thing about man that's consistent throughout history. That we're all what? Well, greedy. That's because we're all sinners. And so because we're sinners, I'm going there next. Because we're sinners, we're very self-focused. Because we're self-focused, we want a little bit more. Because we want a little bit more, we become greedy. And in our greed, we find ways to what? Cheat. Ooh, yes. Okay? Through what? Deception. Okay? So we're told then we ought to have what? Honest or with judgment scales. Something that would pass the scrutiny of law if i was brought in so let's think taxes here for a moment oh let's not think taxes right but if the irs guy was standing right there immediately with you and you had to justify with judgment all your uh declarations would you be found to be honest or with judgment or would you be found to be deceptive Okay, to use an honest scale or balance is the idea. Okay, so all the weights in the his bag, whose bag? Yahweh's bag. All the weights are in his bag. What's the idea of that? His weights are what? Yeah, they're honest. All the weights in Yahweh's bag are honest. Does that make sense? They are true. They're exactly on. I was building a wall yesterday with two-by-fours. Was I? Was I really? No, I, I wasn't. What was I really building with? One-and-a-half by three-and-a-halves. Isn't that something? And in some of them, when you get to the two-by-eights, they're not seven-and-a-half. They're seven-and-a-quarter. And How ridiculous is this? And in a two-by-two, two, you know, that you're going to put on your deck, you know, for the, the, the balusters, they're actually one and three-eighths by one and three-eighths. But they sell them as two-by-twos. And we're okay with that in our society. There's something wrong with our society where our scales are just a little bit, what, off. And we've done it so much that we've become dumbed down to it. We've become okay with it. Dishonest, Mirma from Ramah, with beguilement. Dishonest scales are what? They're an abomination to Yahweh. So do you want to know what, he, what God thinks about it when you're just trying to save that little penny, that nickel? It's an amazing thing. I forgot I wanted to start off with actually um, Proverbs 22, verse 1. It says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor than silver and gold. When you try to, to, by beguilement or deception or with a dishonest scale, gain just a, a five cents, ten cents, fifteen cents, twenty cents, a buck, five bucks, a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, five thousand bucks, ten thousand bucks, I don't care what your price is. Do you know what you're really doing? You're declaring your worth. Because if you're caught, that's your worth. Does it make sense? And so that's a challenge to me, even this week, you know, for me, as I'm looking through things, that again, even as Steve joked this morning about the, um, 
the, the Galatians study, I forgot to put the little um, copyright notice on there, you know, but I printed 30 copies, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do all this again. But think about that. But in a sense, you take all that, and it really costs us what? One and a half click, one and a half cents per click, then you got to buy the paper. And so there's a point where, I mean, honestly, straight up, you can come back to, to Bob and say, okay, Bob, let's calculate that. And why didn't you redo that? Well, because you're worrying about, yeah, 20 bucks maybe at the most, whatever. Makes sense? And so what's your name worth? Okay? It's a big deal. Okay? We want to get into the point where that it's not my name that I'm worrying about. But as we talked about last week, it's whose name? It's God's name. Lest I steal and I profane your holy name. Okay? So, not through deception, Proverbs 20, verse 10, diverse weights and diverse measures, they're both alike an abomination to the Lord. And this is why I wanted to talk about the, the weights being um, a stone, because literally what that verse says, it doesn't say diverse weights, it says a stone in a stone. The idea is that in your bag you have what? Two stones. You have a stone and a stone. Depending on who you're uh, selling to, my friend, my friend, I've been waiting for you all day. I give you a special deal. Let me use this stone. <laughs> Make sense? But you, my friend, I give you a special deal. And so I remember that in Jerusalem. You know, we went to, we were told when we went downtown, or downtown, down into the old, old city, don't pay. Don't pay what, they, what, what they're asking for. Because they're going to rip you off blind. Okay? They expect that you're going to haggle. Talk them down, okay? Um, well, or, or just haggle. But they love it when someone doesn't go in and haggle because then they just, okay? So, so I, I have a little Joshua and Caleb statue that I have. Um, and so we went in, we were looking, and we didn't know that it was actually going to be, um, they were calling for a strike that day at noon. It was a, the, we were in the Muslim section, and so, so they weren't going to be open for two days in a row. So whatever they were going to sell. So I didn't know all that found out later but anyway so i was in i was looking at this josh and caleb statue and and i'm just looking because i'm not going to start we're also told if you start it you're also in it to the to the end because you start you you started the process so don't start don't even start a process so he come my friend my friend what can i get for you today i said nothing 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 you have very fine stuff but i know i can't afford any of it and it's probably true anyways so and so we talked for a little bit and he says what kind of stuff? Would you? I said, well, you know, like this and this and this. And you point it. He says, well, what would you give me for something like that? I said, no, 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 no. I said, I can't. I don't want to offend you. I says, I'm sure it's worth much more than I could even afford. I don't want to go there. Oh, no, no, no. You're my friend. You won't offend me at all. No, no, no. I don't want to do this. Oh, please. Come on. It's okay. What, what do you think something like that's worth? I said, 12 bucks. Or I said, $10. $10. Ah! It's like I killed him, you know? That's $60. I said, I told you, my friend. I didn't want to do this. You made me give you this. That you, you made me tell you, you know, because I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to do this. And so anyways, I got it for $12. And so, um, but then I looked at my wallet. All I had was 10. I had to run down the street to my, my friend who was there. I said, man, you got $2. I mean, I, I got, anyways, I don't, I'm going to get a knife in my back. So, um, anyways, but my point is in all that is that here was this thing that clearly he made what? He made money off that $12. If I had gave him $60, yeah, he had, he had multiple weights in his bag. Does that make sense? And when I walked in, he pulled out that real, real nice one. Does that make sense? Because he thought, here's an American tourist. I can really, what? Get him. Okay? So I can, we, can, we can laugh and we can pick on that guy, that store owner. But do I do that? Do I do that to other people? What about in my schedule? What about the use of my time? Am I more willing to yield time to one person than I am to another person? Jesus was noted as, I mean, this is really kind of a fun thing. When they came to him, they would always say, Teacher, we know that you're not a discerner of persons. What are they saying? That you don't play favorites. You don't raise one up greater than the other that's exactly right but you treat all men fairly and equally that's the just what scales okay so this concept we're talking money but it really applies to everything so a stone and a stone an ephah and an ephah okay so two different 
uh, ways that they would measure things, okay? So here we have weight and here we have volume, okay? And both are abhorrent to Yahweh. Proverbs 20, verse 23, a little bit down from verse 10. Diverse weights are an abomination to Yahweh, and dishonest scales are not good. Again, literally, abhorrent to Yahweh are stones and stoves, and scales of subtlety are not good. Scales of subtlety. Do you know in um, Ephesians 6, part of the, the wiles, or sorry, there we go, the wiles of the devil. I'm going to tell you the answer right off the bat. Forget my question. Just keep going on. Anyways, but part of the, the, the armor of God, right, is that, that we, we take up the shield of faith that we should be able to quench all the what? fiery darts of the wicked one okay but we're we put all this up so as he's bringing those fiery darts at us what are we told that it really is that we're able to stand against the wiles the trickeries the chicanery the subtleties of the devil he shoots them at us all the time does it make sense he doesn't come at us and so we've got to know that what these things are and so therefore if scales of subtlety really are satanic, or really of the devil, then it shouldn't be something that we as, a, as believers walk in. Proverbs 28, verse 8. One who increases his possession by usury and extortion gathers it for him who will pity the poor. What's usury? Too much interest. So it doesn't necessarily condemn what? Interest. Okay? It condemns too much interest. I bring in today as amortization. Charging interest on interest. Okay? And again, we just accept that. It used to be when you bought a house, it was the, the loan was amortized. But when you bought a car, it was called what? Straight interest. What did that mean? You just, you didn't, you, you did a certain amount that every month it was just this much. You didn't, it wasn't based upon the value of the car at that moment. But somewhere along the line, and I don't know when it was, it was between purchases of cars. They changed from doing straight interest to amortized interest on cars. Because, I mean, I sat there, because, I mean, I used to have, sit down, you know, being the math guy, and I'd, I'd have my, my payments calculated. You know, I, I, you can know this thing based upon what your interest was because it was straight interest. It was pretty simple, you know. And I'm sitting there, and this guy's coming up with different prices than I am. And I'm like, this isn't making any sense. I said, you know, this is what it ought to be. He says, no, no, look, here it is here. And I'm looking at it, I go, yeah, it is. And I'm thinking, oh, what is it? And so I walked away, I didn't buy, you know. And, uh, but then I researched and I found out, oh, no, they've changed things now. No one raised a fuss about buying a house that way. So it just starts blending into other things. Do you realize your credit cards are that way? Isn't it an amazing thing? I mean, so you don't pay this month. And all of a sudden, you're going to start paying interest on interest on interest on interest on interest on interest, okay? And so, um, yeah, that's usury. That's usury. We accept it in, in our culture. It's, it's there all the time. Um, you know, the loan sharks all up and down Washington Road, all up and down Gordon Highway. What are they doing? Extortion and, and usury, okay? Those title, title pawns. <laughs> what, what, what are they banking on? You don't pay. What do they do? They take your car. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's how they're in business. I don't think it's a business I could run. Proverbs 13, verse 11. Wealth gained by what? Again, dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Proverbs 21, verse 6. Getting treasures by lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. What's interesting here, and why I have the word dishonesty um, put up is it's the Hebrew word Hebel, which literally talks about um, vanity. Um, it is used for idols in many places. Idolatry is the kind of the idea. So an idol was vain. It was false. It was nothing. But read that concept in here. Because remember, Solomon's writing this, okay, at the same time as the kings were written, okay? And so when you, when you, if you do a study on this and you want to look up the word usage of it, okay, then you want to look at how words were used, especially over in the Old Testament when you're talking thousands of years, right? How the word was then used within the, the confines of that, that period of history. And predominantly, this word is used in the concept of for idols and idolatry. So, so read this in here. Wealth gained by idolatry, vanity. It doesn't mean that, but put the thought processes in there. Will be diminished, but he who gathers by what? Labor will increase. Getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting 
idolatry, if you would, of those who seek death. Now, again, it's not talking about idols, and it's not talking about idolatry here, but take that concept, because that's what it generally means. It's, it's talking about vain and emptiness, okay? And so, when you think about things that are of God, and then things that are, if you would, not of God, idol, idols, okay? What would you say you would summarize the things that are in God? They are what? They are true. There is substance to it. It's going to remain how long? Forever. Okay? What about the things of idols? They're false. Transient. Yeah, they're, they're here today and gone tomorrow. Even if it lasts till I die, it's still what? Gone. Right? You can't take your U-Haul with you. Right? Okay? So, so think about now... When, when I think of this side of it, okay, Jesus talks about um, either serving God or what? Mammon. Mammon, again, is the things that money buys, materialism, okay? So, again, I, when I read Matthew 6, I think, man, the guy, Jesus was living just in this last couple hundred years, okay? Because what is the God? What is the idol? of the United States. Money. Yeah. And we serve materialism. So, bring this in here. Wealth gained by worldly wisdom, if you would. Wealth gained by the financial processes of the world. The the idol of our world is money. So when I flip uh, Colossians chapter 2 talks about the uh the empty philosophies of the world, the rudimentary principles of the world, and not being deceived by those things. I, I watch churches become businesses, and it drives me bonkers. The church is not a business. We are not a corporation. We are a body of Christ. We are a gathering of believers. Does that make sense? We're, we're not a business. I mean, I, in... I, I get frustrated. It was like, I've got to have a five-year plan. I've got to have a 10-year plan. No, I don't. Do you, do you really want to know what Bob's five-year goal is? I want to mo- look more like Jesus five years from now than I do right now. I, I'd like to be able to say, I, I look back 10 years ago and say that I'm more conformed to the image of Christ than I am right now. I'd like to, for this assembly, then. What's the goal for this assembly? What's the vision for this assembly? Now, we have some ways we want to accomplish that, but what is the ultimate vision for our assembly? We want to glorify God more five years from now than we are right now. We want to look as a body more like Jesus than we do right now. Now, we have plans that we think incorporate into that, like planting of the churches and that kind of stuff, but I don't have a timetable for those things. Why? Because I'm not the What? I'm not the head. I'm not the head. I'm not the head. Jesus is the head. We only have one chief shepherd, one head pastor, and that's Jesus Christ. It's not me. It's not even... So don't think I'm the head pastor. It is not. I refused even when we planted this church, when we got together. I'm not even called that constitutionally. It's not there. I refused. I don't want to be a chief shepherd. I don't want to be a head shepherd, head pastor. We only have one. But we subtly, again, accept the teachings and principles of the world. And we bring them into our lives and into then the church collectively. Does that make sense? And we've got to be careful then financially. And you're going to see on the very bottom of your sermon note sheet the, uh, for future discussion, which we won't have because we're not having care group tonight and, and that kind of stuff. But is how do these principles apply to the church how does it how does the church then acquire finances i mean this is real stuff real life stuff i mean how does this apply to the to the assembly well getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who what seek death what is death death is i mean it it is it is a it is a payment isn't it i mean we're talking about acquiring money here right so can somebody tell me a, a Bible verse that, that talks about um, payments and that kind of stuff and, and acquiring things? Good, Steve. The wages of sin is what? Death. 
What a great verse, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't talk about money at all, but it does. It talks about the whole acquiring, right? So the wages of sin is, is death. If you want to pursue death, if you want to seek death, then, then pursue the way the world wants you to gain treasures. It's just one little area. And again, how we show that we are honoring Yahweh, how we're trusting Yahweh with all our heart and leaning not into our own understanding, but acknowledging Him in all our ways including how we are gaining resources, gaining wealth, okay? Proverbs 28, 6, another better is, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. So what does it tell me? Somebody who is perverse in their ways can be what? They can be rich. They can be rich. Now, again, as we talked about last week, riches by itself is not evil. Money by itself is not evil. The pursuit of money is what makes it evil right? The love for the money makes it, is what makes it evil, okay? But the reality is not everybody who is rich is what? Blessed. You track what I'm going, okay? Too many times, again, and the, the Jews had it in their brain, they, they, changed, they thought that, that, that riches were the blessing of Yahweh. Not necessarily the case. It actually could be where God's just letting it go because the guy's serving his, his idol, and he's letting let him go headlong in, in after it, okay? So secondly, not just through deception, but through thievery. Proverbs 29, verse 4 says, whoever is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He swears to tell the truth, but he reveals nothing. Proverbs 6, verse 30, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. And then from last week, we talked about this passage. The two things that I ask of thee, forbid me not before I die, right? And the first thing was to take a, a, a lying tongue far from me. But the second one was neither give me riches nor poverty, right? And he says in verse 9, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. And so this word here then that's being used um is um ganab which literally is talking then about stealing okay and so that first verse almost would make it look like it's what telling telling a lie does it make sense but lying and and stealing go what they go hand in hand it's still ultimately deception does that make sense I'm, i'm seeking to deceive okay and so so Whoever's a partner with a lot, a thief. Now, the word partner really is the word having a share with. Having a share with. In other words, so you're going in because you want what? You want a piece of the, the action. You want a piece of the pie, right? So if you know somebody is what? Making money through what? Thievery. And you're becoming a partner with them. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, we went to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And it says, what... What um, what fellowship does Christ have with? Anybody? No, it wasn't darkness. What was the word? Belial. That's right, Belial. Okay. And so, and, but in that same portion, then it, it's exactly right. It goes through the fact that we shouldn't be unequally yoked. And so, here's the idea: is is being yoked here with someone who is what a thief. And so, I mean, you can. We're going to get into investments in just a moment, and you can go like really down deep and, and we're not talking about going there for a witch hunt, okay? But the reality is if you're, if you're going into a business and you've got another guy that you're going to go into business with and you know that he has, um, he's not a believer and he, and he deals with things in an unbiblical manner, yet he's always what? Successful. And so there's the temptation to do what? Partner with him because you ultimately want what? Financial success. Don't go there. Okay, God says, don't, don't go there. Because when you become the partner with him, you become part and parcel with him. Your name goes down just as well. People don't despise a thief if he what? So people don't despise a stealer. Okay, and so that's with an, an E-A, not a double E. Okay, um, but they don't despise a thief. Okay, if he what? Steals because he what? Because he's hungry. Okay. He's hungry, and so he takes something, and, and so people look at him, and they may have a little bit of pity on him, but still, in biblical, biblical justice, when he's caught, what has to happen? He has to give restitution. So I'm going to make another application. 
because of our society. And remember again, Jesus came into the midst of his society and he, and he told them metanoia, 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 metanoia. What? Change the way you think. Change the way you think. Your society is thinking this way. You need to change the way you think. Okay, and you all are going to agree with me. This is like preaching to the choir. Okay, but this is a, this is a fact. Okay, and that one of the major problems with our society, other than they don't know God, and this is just actually more of a, a result of that, um, is the litigiousness of our society. All the lawsuits. Why do people, think about this, why do people put in lawsuits? For what? Say it again. Somebody said it. Easy money. Whether it's easy money or not, somebody else is doing the work, right? Because what does a lawyer do? Lawyer says, I'll just take a cut of the, of the you know, we'll make it this way. So he's more, more, more committed to it, right? And so if we win, I get a cut, okay? And so, so you got all these lawsuits going on, right, that cost so much money because even if they lose, the company that they were suing has to what? Pay lawyers fees. They got to do all this kind of stuff. You know, I, in my mind, biblical justice would be you put in a fallacious lawsuit for just to get the, the chance, right? What's the other, what's the other side? What's, what, 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 biblically speaking, I'm putting in this lawsuit. What's, so if I win, I, I get millions of dollars, right? But if I lose, I walk away. It didn't cost me a dime, right? Because the lawyer said, if we win, I'll, get, I'll take a cut. If we lose, it won't cost you a dime, right? So I lose. It didn't cost me a dime. He put in his time. All I had to do was show up. And, if, and if, if I win, I struck the lottery. So what's the other part? Biblically speaking, what should be the other side? <laughs> Buddy, that's exactly right. You put it the other way and say, so if you lose, you owe them millions. And you've got to pay their lawyer fees. Because if you win, they're paying your lawyer fees. I mean, think about it, right? Okay? So if you lose then you pay. What do you think our court system would, would look like now? How many lawyers do you think would be advertising on billboards? Yeah, zero. That's right. That's mega size. It. Mega, I mean, I've seen some of the names up there, and there was one guy that I thought was a believer, when, and I saw what, what he, you know, and I won't tell you what he did because then you'll know who he, who he was. And I'm thinking, how can, you can't go there. This is totally unbiblical what you're seeking to do. Okay? But again, we accept it in our society. Our society is so full of corruption, and we miss it. We think we're still a Christian nation. We are not based upon Christian principles at all. We are so following after mammon in righteous or um, materialism. That's our God. And I think that we need to, to realize that and ask ourselves, again, this, it's personal. I mean, Am I, not just you, but am I subtly being accepting this idolatrous practices? Am, am, am I following after the idol of our land? Um, Ephesians, then, that's New Testament. It's not from Proverbs. But Paul talks about this. He talks about the other side of this, where he says in this whole listing of putting off and putting on. And so that's a, a big deal. You know, he says to the, the Corinthians, he says, um, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay, this law of replacement. You don't just put things off. You then turn around and put things on. Do you know what happens when you put things off and you don't do anything else? There becomes a, a vacuum, an emptiness, a loneliness that's totally there. Okay, you've got to replace it with something. So I put this off. Music was my life growing up. Music was my life. I had thousands of dollars. Thousands doesn't mean like a lot now, but think back then, thousands of dollars was a lot of money, okay? And I used to DJ parties and that kind of stuff. And, and the, I mean, the, my brother went to the Air Force Academy, which meant I had the whole room to myself. I mean, this is massive space now, okay? Now, you need to understand how big, Gabriel, or whoever you are, Anna's laughing. <laughs> she, knows, she knows the room I'm, I'm going to talk to you about. My bed was about this big, and my brother's was that big too. And I had about this much space between our beds where I could literally sit down and I could play. So that's how big my room was. It was extremely tiny. Like our entire house was maybe twice the size of this room. Anyways, and so, so but dude, when you only have about this much space, you know, and he leaves, now I got this much space? Man, I am just like cooking with gas with space. So my first purchases was I bought one of those black plastic 
um, shelving things. You know what I'm talking about? And I bought my own stereo with headphones. So I could sit in my room and worship myself. And for real, honestly, I mean, really, I didn't know Christ. You know, I went to church, but I didn't know Christ. And I'd sit there and I'd listen to all my satanic music. And I mean, I was very eclectic in my music. I would listen to everything from classical music all the way down to ACDC. You know, from Statler Brothers, always did Lawrence Welk. I mean, you, you look at me, you're like, whoa, you cannot pin me on music, okay? Anyways, but I would sit there and that was my life. Music was my life. So when I got saved, one of the first areas that Jesus made clear to me that had to go was what? Yeah, not all. I mean, first it started with ACDC, Def Leppard, Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, for some of you, don't worry about who they are. But the other ones, you understand what I'm talking about. It was all this satanic rock and that kind of stuff. And I still remember Blue Oyster Cult crying out to me to, to, to listen to Don't Fear the Reaper one more time, you know? I mean, it's all about suicide, man. You know, it's like, no, 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 I got no, 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 no. So I'm jettisoning it. But the reality is, again, my life was filled with what? Darkness, but what did I tell you first of all? My music was all, or my life was all about, here we go, music. I had to what? I had to replace it. I love music. I love singing. Anna laughed. Yesterday, um, I'm building again that wall on my deck, and my, my neighbor kid comes out with um, a little friend, and they're there. And, anyways, I just start, we're talking a little bit, and then I just start belting out a song, you know? And she's, I didn't see them, but you saw them, right? They just kind of looked like, you know? But I mean, I love music, man. I love singing, and I, I belt it out. You know, it's really okay. It's a lot of fun for me. And um, I had to replace it. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather what, let him what? Let him labor. Again, I'm not here to make political messages. Do you get it? But let him, let him who stole... This is the same word in the, in, the, in the Hebrew translation of the New Testament. I know it was written in Greek, but in the Hebrew translation, that is ganav, again, the same exact word. It's the same word that's being used there, okay? Let him who stole, let him who is a ganav, ganav no longer, but rather let him what? Work. Let him work. Why? So that he may have something to give those who have need. Rather than being a taker, you want to be a giver. Hmm. That changes the whole thing of acquiring money, doesn't it? Now I'm not just acquiring it for myself. I'm acquiring it so I can what? I can be a channel. We'll talk about that next week with the administration of finances. But again, it goes back to my attitude, doesn't it? I'm just a steward of everything God has. So, Acquisition of finances. The second major category we want to look at real quickly is working wisely. Dealing honestly. Secondly, working wisely. Now, in that then, I want to be industrious. Industriousness is, is critical. Now, I could put in the word diligent, but we already used the word diligent a few weeks ago. So I'm using the word industrious. It's all one and the same to me. That you are using, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Makes sense that you're not lazy, you're not sluggish, that you are industrious that you're using the time to work, okay? So Proverbs 10, treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. Yahweh will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. He who has a slack hand becomes what? Poor. I mean, God's word is telling us this. You got a slack hand, you become poor. But the hand of the diligent or industrious makes one rich. He who gathers in the summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in the harvest is a son who causes shame. I'm, we go out every day picking up pecans. Man, they're still dropping, you know? Not as many, but they're still dropping, you know? And it's just an amazing thing. God's given me a gift. I can give them to other people. Does it make sense? Keep giving pecans. Keep giving pecans. Keep giving pecans. Make sense? Silver and gold I have I not, but such as I have given unto thee. <laughs> in the name of Jesus Christ, take some pecans. And so, if you want more pecans, I got more pecans, or pecans, if you want to call them pecans. I don't really care what they're called. You can have some. I got buckets of them, okay? And there's no way Bob loves them, but he's not going to eat that many, okay? Or I will start looking like a squirrel, okay? But the, the hand of the diligent makes what? Makes you rich. There's one thing other than somebody who got an inheritance, and then generally when somebody gets an inheritance, what do they do? They blow it. They squander it. Okay, unless they are diligent and they invest it wisely. Make sense? 
if someone didn't have to work for it, and they don't have to work for it, they'll generally squander it. Okay? Proverbs 12, verse 11, and Proverbs 28, 19 basically say the exact same thing, changing it just a little bit. He who, t- he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is the void of understanding. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will have plenty, will have poverty enough. Again, I mentioned this before. I think it's amazing to me. Again, if God said it once, it's what? It's important. But he clearly wants us to what? He wants to understand this, okay, where he's going to make put it in there twice, okay, kind of sneak it in us on, on a second se- second time, okay. Again, I'm not going to talk about the, the ant. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. But go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways. So she goes out and she gathers while there's stuff to be gathered so that later she's not starving, okay. Proverbs 14, verse 23, in what? All labor. What's another word for labor? Work work but i'm an american i don't want to have to work i want to pay somebody else to what work for me okay and so or better yet i can have the what government do that for me anyways in all labor there is what profit there's gain it may not be gain that you can put in your in your in your pouch. So I was harassing Zach the other day. We were talking about it, about a job we were on, where there was a a moment there was a, a massive loss. Okay, um, on it. But honestly, I learned an important lesson from it as well. I wasn't the one who did it. Guys I had hired had done it. Makes sense. And so hopefully they learned an important lesson off it too, at, at my expense. Um, but I learned an important lesson from it too. And it was a matter of doing doors, and I'll just share it real quick. And that is, I, I agreed to go ahead and, and, and change out all the doors in the house. But once a house settles, no door is, is right anymore. Make sense? And so you got to do every single door individually. Well, these guys decided to cut all the doors at one time the same. Anyways, we, just, we wound up cutting all the doors and just throwing them out, throwing away and buying all new doors. But what I learned is that if you ever hired, I don't do this work anymore, right? But if I, when I got hired to do changing out doors again, I wouldn't change doors. I'd change out the entire unit. I'm taking out the trim and everything else, split jams, and we're replacing the entire thing. Instead of, I mean, it's going to cost you less as the, as, the, as the owner because now you're not paying for my labor to sit there and try to keep tweaking this door to fit your opening. Make sense? It only costs you $75 for a door. Boom. It doesn't take very long to put that thing in there. Anyways, so, but in all labor, there is what? Profit. Even if it's not something you're going to stick in your wallet or in your money pouch. There's things to learn. Remember, we're talking about working what? Wisely. I want to gain wisdom from it. Okay? So, Proverbs 12, verse 24. The hand of the diligent will roll, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. The soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. What do you see in common? The diligent, the industrious, okay? And there's three different things. We talk about the hand of the, the industrious or the hand of the diligent, the plans of the diligent, and the soul of the diligent. And what do you know then about these things of the diligent? Bring them all together. He's going to roll. Going to plenty, he'll be made what? Rich. God will prosper, if you would, those who are working industriously. But those who are just sitting around doing nothing, what's going to happen to them? Forced labor, poverty, has nothing. Now, again, I don't have to be, have money going into my pouch. God's going to use work, God's going to use labor to teach me, not just provide for me. What was the very first thing that God did with Adam after he created him? Breathed the breath of life into him. What's the first thing he did with him? He put him in the garden to work. He gave him a purpose. Man's purpose is to work. And then, in the context of working, God then gave him the privilege of Naming all the animals. That's kind of cool. And then God made him a helpmeet. But those things happened after he put him in the garden to what? To work. Okay? Oh, wait. I want to go back there. 
So Acts 20, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. I'm not going to go into it. This is a testimony of Paul. You can read these later, but Paul put out very clearly the importance of work. That he didn't just take from people, but that he was willing to work. Okay? And so um, in Acts, he's talking to the elders of Ephesus there. And so while he was there, he's working as a tent maker. Does it make sense? I mean, so you got to know that reading some of his, his um, epistles as well, because he's writing from the concept of being a tent maker as well. And, uh, but he says that he didn't take anything because he didn't want the gospel to, to, to be without um, effect. So he worked so that people understood the importance of that. Okay? God put me to the test of that years ago when we were starting this church. Ephesians 6, 5 to 8, working as unto Christ. That's the, 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 the part where Paul is talking to bond servants and he's talking to masters. But to the bond servants, he says, they're not serving as with eye service as unto men, but as unto Christ. That while I'm working, okay, that my working ought to be industrious because I'm ultimately knowing that I'm working for who? For Jesus. I'm not working for Harvey. Harvey may be the owner. Harvey may be my boss. Make sense? Harvey may be the guy who's going to give me the, the um, my, maybe my direct raider, or maybe he's even my senior raider if he's military. Make sense? But I'm not working for Harvey. I'm working for Jesus. And if that's the idea, if I understand that I'm working for Christ, and that's who Paul was working for, then who am I up here? I'm the diligent. They don't have to worry about whether I'm working hard or not. Because I'm working for who? I'm working for Jesus. And Jesus wants me to redeem the time because the days are evil. So I'm not going to be squandering time. Now, I understand there's a time for rest and recuperation and relaxation and recreation. That's called recreation, but it's recreation. Make sense? I get that. That's for another moment. But the fact is that as Americans, we want more of that than we want to do the, the work part. But God created us to work. Six days you shall work. And seventh day you shall rest. Investments. So not just industriousness, but investments. Okay? So I want to look at these passages and say, okay, where does investment come from in this? Proverbs 14, verse 4. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean. But much increase comes from the strength of an ox. Investments. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase from the strength of an ox. Can you see investments there at all? Okay, no, no, good. Well, you're, you're, close, you're close in there, but you're, I mean, that goes back to the other thing, okay? Because he's not just going to do the work. An ox ain't going to do it by himself. He's going to, okay, he's going to carry the heavy load. Keep going. Say again? But you've got to feed him. You've got to feed him. So, I want to, I want to, I want to increase my profits, right? I want more grain, and this ox keeps what? He keeps eating my grain. I mean, if I didn't have the ox, I wouldn't have to lose all this grain. Are you understanding this from the perspective of business here? I mean, well, yeah, no, no, but but from the perspective of my employees, I, I, so I mean, I, I've dealt with this again as a business, right? If you want to, if you want a minimum minimum wage employee, what should you expect? Minimum work. Isn't it amazing? But as Americans, we want to pay people nothing but expect them to be slaves, to work hard. You get what you pay for, in a sense, if you would, okay? So when I paid, okay, I wanted someone to work for me. I wanted them to work diligently for me. I wanted them to know that when I say I want you to work, I want you to work, and if you don't need to work, you don't need to be with me, right? But in that light, then, I'm going to what? I'm going to pay them well, at least as well as I could. Make sense? And so each of my boys worked for me, and they, they got a whole lot more than they would have worked in a t- part-time job someplace else. Why? Because I want them to work for me. I want them to what? Work for me. I don't want them just to hang out with me. Now, one of their primary jobs was to know where my pencil was when I misplaced my pencil. But that was important. And somebody needed, and you know, where, where's, my, where's some tape measure at? Anyways, but I want them to work. And they knew. Dad didn't take a lunch break. Dad doesn't take morning break. Dad didn't take a lunch break or an afternoon break. Dad just works. Okay? But I, so I'd have to tell them, look, guys, you need to eat. Take a break. It's really okay. But I know that their lunch break wasn't going to be a whole half hour. It wasn't even going to be an hour. 
that they were going to go and they're going to eat their sandwich in five, ten minutes, and they're going to be what? Back working with me. Because they want to be with me, and they want to work. They wanna, and so they learned how to work. Make sense? But that's how we got to do it. So, but I have to invest in that ox. I got to invest in that employee. I got to invest in all these things. If I don't have an ox, I'm not going to get as much. There's a, there's a point where I invest in the ox and I may lose some grain, but I'm going to get what? I'm going to get more out of it. That's exactly right. Proverbs 27, verse 23 to 27. Be diligent, again, that's our word, to know the state of your flocks and attend your herds, for riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. Stop for a moment. For riches are not what? Are not forever, which means that money at some point is going to what? It's going to, it's going to vanish. It's going to go away. It's going to fail you. It's not going to be there. But what will be? Your herds and your flocks. Your money may be gone, but your flocks and your herds are still there. Look what it says now. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs in the mountain are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, if for the food of your household, the nourishment of your maidservant. Boy, these animals... They eat a lot. I could have a little bit more money if I didn't have all these animals. Now, this is an agrarian society, okay? I mean, we don't necessarily live in an agrarian society, okay? But, Curtis, you get this a little bit, right? You got some pigs out there, right? And, and you just, I, I know you guys have this pig fetish thing going on. I mean, you just love pigs, right? Pigs everywhere. That's not why you have pigs, is it? Why do you got pigs? They're very tasty, <laughs> Okay? And you want to make money. No, that's exactly right. I mean, that, there's no, again, there's nothing wrong with making money if you're making money in a godly way. Does it make sense? So, but what are you going to do with these pigs? You've got to allow them to breed. But what are you going to do for them to do all that? You've got to feed them, right? Okay. But what happens if they eat too much of the grass and the, gr- and the grass gets all chewed up? Right, okay. So my point is you have to continually take time to rotate them into other fields. Make sense? Like, like cows. Cows can, cows can eat out of field. If you've got too many cows in a field or horses in a field, you can destroy them, right? And so you have to do what it said. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend your herds. If you're not being diligent and you're not attending them and making sure that they have food, right, what's going to happen with them? They're going to die. Okay, but it's important for me to do that because in the end, there are the things that are providing me clothing. They're the things that are providing me food. They're the things that I'm going to be able to sell and to make a profit off of to buy the other things. Again, bring that application into us today. You know, Curtis may, may be doing that thing, but most of us aren't doing that. Okay, I got to bring it into my business realm. Does it make sense? I got to bring it into my family and how I treat my kids and how I treat my wife and how I treat. Uh, my neighbors and stuff like that. Because in the end, whatever you sow, that also shall you reap. And that's where we're going to go next with Galatians chapter 6 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. We're not going to turn there right now, but you know those passages as well. What, whatsoever man soweth, that also shall he reap. If he sows unto his flesh, he will of his flesh reap what? Corruption. But if he sows unto his spirit, he will of his spirit reap life everlasting. There is this pro- process of us getting what we then have sown. When we get down to Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, Luke 16, verse 1 to 12, those are both the parables from each of the perspectives where Jesus is talking about how the master went away and he gave, so Matthew says he gave them talents, Luke says he gave them minus, right? And there were varying degrees, right? And so when the master comes back, what happens? Each of the individuals come in to, to give him Whatever they what? Whatever they what? Say it louder. Earned. Whatever they earned, which means that they must have been doing something with it, working with it, laboring in it somehow, right? And so the first guy comes back and he says, here's what you gave me, and it's doubled, right? Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You get these cities, right? Next guy comes in, it's doubled. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You get this. Finally, that last guy comes in and he says what? I knew you were a hard man, so I buried it. <laughs> Here, this is what you gave me. Now you have it back. Now, here's the key. Okay, again, 
words are important. The parable could have stopped there. But what does Jesus tell this guy? You wicked servant, what should he have done? Should have, at minimum, as a minimum, he should have stuck it in a bank and drawn what? Now, I'm, I, I don't know about you, but have you looked at the interest that they're giving you on savings accounts right now? It's pretty what? Minimum. Yeah. Okay? So that's why I said at the what? Minimum. I mean, Jesus is basically saying, as a minimum, this is what you could have. You could at least, with that hundred bucks, got me a penny. But all you did was stick the hundred dollars in the, in the ground. You stuck it in a sock in your drawer. And now you're going to give it back to me? You think that's really good stewardship? No. There are lots of ways in our land that you can then invest what you have, even if it's only two bucks at a time. Okay? Kids, I'm really talking to you now. Because people my age, you missed your opportunity. Okay? There's still some opportunities. We can talk about that. But this isn't, again, for me to talk to you about being a financial planner for you. There are others who are probably more qualified to do that. But God has blessed me. Okay? Years ago, I prayed about it. I, I believe that God told me that he wanted me to put money aside um, and invest it. And I had never done that. I, didn't, I don't have a retirement account. didn't have one. And so I prayed for months on this thing. And literally, um, and I, I don't mean this is this way, in three years it doubled. I mean, so I told some people, I mean, I took out all the money that I originally invested, and in, it's in, in a, a, a cash account right now up there. But I've got more than that still invested. That's somebody else's money. That's all interest money that's still making, making more, okay? And so, again, you know how much I make, okay? So I'm just telling you that, the potentials are out there, but I didn't go to E.G. Edwards or A.G. Edwards or whoever those guys are. I didn't go to, make sense? I had one years ago and he didn't do think much for me. So I went to the one who really knows. Who's that? God. And I said, God, I believe this stuff. I believe that you'll lead me in all truth. I believe that financial wisdom is in, is in your purview and you know more than any financial counselor is going to be able to give me because all they're going to do is if they have any of this truth at all they're going to sift it and they're going to regurgitate it so i'm asking for you to guide me and lead me and he did and so i mean i don't mean that braggadocio i really don't i really believe like even again in building houses okay that god will lead you into all wisdom if you really believe him in him and trust him Faith is the evidence. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. Blessed are the diligent, right? So, anyways, so, so he said you could have at least done that. Well, Matthew 10, verse 16, and then Luke 16, 8, the, the 13, are not, again, verses that, we never necessarily think of as being, woo, these are good church verses. Luke, Matthew 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of the wolves. Therefore, be, as, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Luke 16, verse 8 to 13. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. I'll continue reading in a moment. What's the context? Master comes back and he finds out that his, his steward's been what? Ripping him off. He says, your days are numbered. Get, get all the accounts settled. So what does the steward start doing? He starts making friends. That's exactly right. He starts cutting what they owe him. Here, do this, here, do this. So that when he gets fired, he can go out and have friends, right? So again, I'm going to come back now and listen. To, this is Jesus giving the parable. So the master commended the unjust steward. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in what is much. And he who is unjust in what is least, it will be unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? 
No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's Luke's portion of that part, right? So what's that saying? Again, riches by themselves, money by itself is not what? It's not bad. It's not evil. It's not wicked. It's the love of it. It's the, it's the greediness of it that becomes evil. God wants you to be wise. That he may use you as the conduit, as a steward of his resources for his kingdom's purposes. Having wisdom in the world, using the unrighteous mammon of the world. It's not to avoid it, but to use it wisely. Has the Holy Spirit revealed to you any areas of inconsistency or hypocrisy in your financial dealings? That's kind of a rough moment. I already had them this week. So, I mean, I just know, I just know you know, God... If you really want to learn, start teaching. Okay? Because God takes this stuff and just rakes me over the coals. Every, you know, who am I to... I mean, it's probably Satan too, you know. Who am I to be able to teach this thing? Because I am so guilty of a lot of this junk, right? How would you rate your use of time? Are you industrious? Do you need to find things to be involved in to use your time for the glory of God? How would you rate your use of money? Are you wise in your investments? Are you living paycheck to paycheck? You shouldn't be. You need to have a budget. Again, we don't have time to talk budgets. But you should have some kind of a budget. There ought not be this thing, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pulverized. Now, I get it. I know what it's like to only get, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month or whatever, and I'm trusting God for my daily bread, okay? So I get that. But most of us, honestly, aren't in that position right now. And we need to set aside, and we'll talk about that a little bit more next week when we talk about the administration of it. Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, help us to invest in you that would be investing in ourselves lord to redeem the time knowing that days are are evil lord help us to spend time in your word reading it studying it memorizing it that you might use it in our lives to to guide us and direct us for the areas lord where you are revealing to us and showing us that we have been dupless we've had duplicity in how we deal with our finances. Lord, help us to be able to confess our hypocrisy, our greediness, our pride, and to look to you entirely for it. Father, I pray that in this season of thanksgiving that we would be thankful to you for all these blessings that you've given to us. And we would see, Lord, that you have given, given them to us in order that we might be able to give them back to you. In Christ's name, amen.